It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment, and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. It's only 21 hours, in fact, not even 21 hours to go now. Just under 21 hours to the start of the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon, which means this is sort of the uh, the last opinion line of the week. This is like the last we're saying this morning. This is kind of our Friday. Um, tomorrow and Friday we are here, but we're in full Radiothon mode between 9 and 12 so this is the last opinion line in regular time for this week as it were which means we've got a lot to get through but talking to a guy who can't find a home in Cork and he's taken that protest to the doll but at the very same time we'll be hearing how 2,700 homes are currently caught up in a scheme and could possibly be released so that people like this man could use them. 2,700 houses across Cork City and County caught up in a scheme. The Fair Deal Scheme. You'll have heard of it. More about that in a while. A man whose song... Imagine having a hit record or having written a song and produced a song and released a song and then you find it used in a soundtrack of a major television series. I'm talking about conversations with friends and I'm talking about uh, Kean Sweeney whose song will feature on the soundtrack of conversations with friends. Catching up with him and hearing the song a bit later on this morning. And there's more besides that. Oh, ghosting. Were you ever ghosted? We didn't call it ghosting back in the day. We just called it never hearing from them again. But were you ever ghosted? Um, We'll be talking about that too. This morning, there's a crash on the inside lane at Victoria Cross. A truck and a car just after the lights before the apartments there on the bridge 
heading towards Dennehy's Cross. If you know the Janet area, you know what I'm talking about. Just avoid that if you can. And we hope, as always, there's nobody hurt in that. But to start this morning, the Lord Mayor's Civic Community Spirit and Community Spirit and Cultural Awards for 2022 took place last night at the City Hall. There was a special award, a special Community Spirit Award uh, presented to Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners. It was a recognition of Katrina's support for the vulnerable during the pandemic, but also in recognition of her journey to the border of Ukraine to provide medical supplies to refugees. And no better woman and no more deserving woman to be recognised in such a way. After she was presented, our Trevor, Trevor Welsh, caught up with Katrina. Katrina, um, great to see you here at the City Hall tonight. Congratulations on, uh, on your award. Uh, obviously, it means a lot to you. It means an awful lot because this is a way of recognising all the work that we as a team in Penny Dinners do. Like, I would be lost without the volunteers and they tell me they'd be lost without me. So it's a, a team effort. So absolutely brilliant. And to be recognised in this way is lovely. And in front of so many other deserving groups was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Talk to us about your Penny Dinner's journey. I mean, it's been a long journey, Katrina. When, where and why? Well, it all started years ago with my father. He was the cook sergeant in Collins Barracks. And then he saved up a bit of money. And with the help of my grandmother's sisters, he bought his own business. And it was takeaways and then the shops and the whole lot and everything followed and but he was always very kind so was my mother and my grandmother and they had penny dinners you know in their heart and um, every Christmas day my dad did the Christmas dinner for the poor and the elderly of Cork with the army big huge team and it started the year after I gave out to him for not being at home and letting me eat my selection box early and so he brought me with him the following year and that's how it started for me and um I, I've had a love of it since because I saw the love he had for it and my mother and Nana. And um, then when my dad died, my mum said, you know, don't leave this go. So I, I took her seriously, as you do. And uh, my mother would say very little and something like but saying don't let this go was enough. And it was always there. So I went in and now where, you know, we have a new warehouse, we have a new building, we have a house with six people living in it in recovery and doing absolutely fantastic. We're rolling out over 500 dinners a day through the pandemic. We stepped up to the mark and we delivered stuff on bicycles around the city to the rough sleepers. And um, in our new building now we have four AA meetings going on are not AA meetings, we have four addiction recovery meetings going on and they're very, very successful they're going about five years now and it's lovely to have them in our new centre it's called Crina Lee, Heart of the Lee and we're starting a new um, addiction meeting on Saturday it's called CA which is cocaine addiction so there's um, one out in Ballancolic and they're going to come into the city as well so uh, we have wellness groups there, we have our High Hope Square which is very famous and we're hoping to go to, to Liverpool with the High Hopes Choir to the Irish Centre in Liverpool and meet up with the fans from Everton 
the Toffees and the fans from Liverpool, um, Ian Byrne, and we have Dave Kelly of Everton, and they run food banks over there, which are hugely successful. They've been to to us and Penny Dinners, and they invited us over, and we've been back since, and we've just have established a fantastic relationship with them. It's very, very, um, for us, when we went to Liverpool, and to feel the way that we were, you know, taken by them and looked after, and just made one of their own, was incredible. So we love the relationship we have, and we can't wait to go back again. We go every weekend if we had a chance. Yeah, you talked about the progress uh, Penny Dinners has been making over the years, uh, but what's on your wish list in 2022? Can there be more support for your charity? Well, from 2022, um, what I would like to see is uh, we have another house and I want to develop that and again help people that um, are in, in recovery into this because recovery works. We want to work closely with the prisons when prisoners come out. We, we have some and we want to let them hone their skills that they've learned in the kitchens up in um, the prison. We want to work with young people, but we want to establish cookery classes for everyone just to teach people the basics. And it won't be just cookery. There'll be sewing. You know, if, if somebody has a hole in something, they don't know how to sew it now. So we want to bring all the basics back and we want to set up our education room and the education Room, room will be that people will spend the year with us and it'll emulate college life for them people that would have been normally you know not been able to go to college and that are no mature students and even younger students but that we give them the first year we give them the basics and a good broad look at where their, their future could lie and uh, we will use like UCC will be very helpful with us on that and CIT, everybody's open to it, so the more people we get back into education, the easier it is for, for people to find jobs and move up the ladder and stuff like that. And it's great to give somebody a second shot at anything that they want to do or want to be or anything they want to achieve. So it'll be all about, you know, making dreams a reality. We look at the well-being of it, our well-being classes show us that, our High Hopes Choir show us that. We planted a tree the other day out in Toker and we sang for two and a half hours, you know. And if we could have done more, we would have, but we nearly all fell down. But it's just that I think that's the best thing about Penny Dinners. Everybody gives it their all yeah. and their all then bears fruit for all of us because we're a great bunch. We look after each other, we love each other, look out for each other and together then we look out for everybody we need to. Yeah, I was mentioning in the introduction uh, tonight, Katrina, that you're in helping out the Ukrainian cause, you're in the, the border in Poland. Yes. Um, you know, that was a, a huge experience for you as well. It was. We went twice and we're going back again and Schenker have um, sponsored us two Arctics and drivers, so they'll take care of all of that. But we're going back this time with the help of the Liverpool Centre, the Irish Centre in Liverpool, and that's again made up of a huge amount of Everton supporters and some Liverpool supporters as well. And they have a great bond between them, and um, because they're, it's a great, great city. So they did a night for us in the Irish Centre. And they made almost £5,000 for us. 
for us to go back to the Ukraine for to buy stuff. So that was a great act of well-being towards of, uh, towards us. So we're, we're looking forward to them coming to Cork again and going down to Fitzy's in Crossaven. <laughs> and um, we might have another, you know, table quiz yeah. and stuff like that. I'm glad as well, Catherine, that you mentioned Everton Liverpool because, as you know, in Premier League like this year, I was doing my uh, first goal score is 50 or every time I got one right. Uh, we made 850, I can tell you, but Betway kindly doubled it. So we've 1,700 oh, made for Penny Dinners. That's incredible. And, you know, that was great excitement as well because the lads inside, I would be saying, who scored, you know, I'm yeah. watching and we'd be trying to, you know, and um, it was brilliant and delighted that you chose us, Trevor. It means an awful lot to us, as you know. And, like, the relationship that we've even built up with you is, is, is huge and we appreciate everybody that, that takes us on board because if people didn't look after us and if people weren't the wind beneath our wings we wouldn't be able to keep our doors open because we depend every day on what people do for us and that's how we keep our doors open and, and it's great that they're open we're over you know 500 meals a day and then hampers to everybody and stuff so you know again we have to always you know be grateful and show our gratitude to the people of of Cork and further afield you know places like Canada and we say Liverpool again you're Liverpool mad I thought at once you were going to say the High Hopes Choir were supporting Elton John at Anfield but uh... do you know what <laughs> if he wants us the High Hopes Choir are available and we know Rocketman off by heart <laughs> <laughs> just finally Katrina uh, uh, I, I know um, you know you're a busy woman uh, someone told me you don't get much sleep yourself but how will you celebrate your award tonight I celebrate it with the volunteers they're all here and um, they're in here under aliases and everything but they're all here <laughs> well done Katrina Ah, oh, she's great, isn't she? She's just magic, Katrina Toomey, and uh, thanks to Trevor for that. And you know, <laughs> don't speak too loudly or too soon. If she got half a notion that the High Hopes Choir could sing with Elton John in Parky Cueve on the 1st of July, trust me, if she wanted to do it, there's no better woman on earth. Thank you, Katrina, and well done, and thank you for all the work that you and your volunteers do. 0818-969696. No, I haven't forgotten that awful story that's in the news. Um, this Texas school massacre. It's, it's horrifying. The, the saddest part of it all is just so damn used to it now. We're so damn used to this news coming out of America. Your own thoughts are welcome, actually, if you have any, on what has happened over there in a, in a schoolroom or a schoolhouse in Texas where this guy, this lunatic who had uh, an argument with his nana at 18 years of age, he had an argument with his nana, shot her, then picked up two assault rifles and went down to the local school and started killing kids and teachers. Got shot himself, thank Putin's. It's yet another school shooting in America. Your thoughts welcome if you have them at 0818 96 96 96. Joe Biden and I'll play some of it later on but Joe Biden's given a super speech at the White House. Uh, you know, America, we need to cop on. The sad part is that they probably won't. That is the very much the saddest part. Now, Fiona, we've had a message from a HSC worker and I thought this had all been sorted out. I thought they had all gotten their very much deserved pandemic bonus. But no, 
Yeah, Peter, we got a message from a listener this morning to say that um, they're a frontline healthcare worker in the CUH and um, they said that as of today, no frontline staff who worked during the COVID-19 timeframe given to qualify for the bonus payment in CUH has received the payment. Now, this person says that uh, it's extremely disappointing and disheartening for staff who worked tirelessly throughout the worst of the pandemic. Many of them are... They are like a, like others in Ireland aren't immune to struggling to pay bills and put food on the table for their families and would have been relying on this bonus payment coming through to help ease the the burden. And uh, they go on to say that the minister gave the go ahead in April to pay the bonus in the next available payroll, and an email was circulated to relevant departments to roll out the payment as soon as possible. Yet three payrolls later, they still haven't received it, which is the cause of a lot of frustration among staff, as there's a serious lack of communication about the payment and the issues surrounding the delay. Now we have emailed the HSC the Department of Health and the CUH press office this morning to try to get some clarity on this issue so we're still awaiting a response from them Um, Now the uh, HSC press office has come back to say that um, they will be back on to us that they're looking into it and we just got that response from them in the last few minutes but do you know it's shocking as that person says they it's a 1000 euro payment and they probably budgeted for that and they still haven't got it despite being told back in April that it would be in the next payroll. Well, there you go. If you're told by a minister that it'll be in the next payroll, and I think, I may be wrong here, but I think most HSE employees are paid every two weeks. Mm. So um, you would have said, right, it's in the next one or maybe if tomorrow's the next payday, then it's mm. the payday after. And you'd, you'd make plans. If you're getting a grand you make plans for that thousand Absolutely. Euro. I mean, some par- people might have had to get their car serviced yep. or they may have had like a, a bill that had been mounting up yep. that they said, right, I'll pay that now with the bonus and it still hasn't come in and they haven't been told why or what the reason is for the delay either. So it's a very frustrating time for them and I mean, you know, we all know the great work that they did throughout the yeah. pandemic and to be treated this way is just... It's, it's disrespectful. It very, is. very disrespectful. Fiona, thank you. If we get any more back th- during the morning um, then we will bring it to to you. HSE have come back to us to say they're looking into it. We sent email to the Department of Health and indeed to CUH, but the Minister said it would be paid in the next payment. That was in the middle of April. HSE staff generally paid every two weeks. So you'd have thought, well, we'll get it within a fortnight. And they are still waiting. 0818 96 96 96. Anybody else not get their payment yet? Who'd be entitled to it? Um, get in touch with us, you know the way. Um, voice notes also available to you or welcome from you at 083 396 96 96. And I do know a lot of HSE personnel are, it's frowned upon when they talk to media, but you can talk to us off air. If if you're in that kind of a category, we'd love to hear. This money should have been paid weeks ago, and here are people trying to pay bills, and they've committed themselves to this money. They've made commitments based on it, and they're not getting it. And if we heard of some rogue employer downtown, if we heard of some chicken shack restaurant, or we heard of some small corner shop that was treating its staff this way or some international 
company that was treating its staff in this area. We'd make a deal out of it. We'd make a big deal out of it. This is the health service locally treating its staff in this way. We'll find out more if we can. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Caller says, I'm a HSE worker serving as a home help. We have not received the money yet. We're paid monthly. We've been waiting three paychecks now since that announcement. I'd love to go on air, but we are forbidden from talking about HSE affairs on public media under the terms of our contract. Some of us are waiting on this money for communion. Worse, we know the HSE has the budget and the funds. It's been allocated. It's just stalled in the system. Uh, The old cynic in me says that, yeah, it's been in the system now for a couple of weeks and every day it's sitting in the bank. What's it doing? It's gathering interest, and there's a lot of money there. If everyone's getting a thousand euro, that's a lot of money. That's a million euro per thousand workers in the HSE on the front line. So if you have a million euro sitting in the bank, that's gathering a handy chunk of change in interest. Could that be the thing? 0818 96 96 96. Now, uh, Councillor Mick Finn got in touch with us. Uh, in the last day or two because he'd been in... he got some data uh, through a parliamentary question uh, with regards to the nursing home scheme, the fair deal scheme. And he discovered something within that that could help the housing crisis. I spoke to Councillor Finn before we came on air this morning. Councillor McFinn, you say there are many, many houses tied up in the fair deal scheme in Cork. Now, that's a nursing home payment scheme. A lot of people wouldn't be familiar with how it works unless they're actually involved in it. But it's tying up property. What did you find out when you went looking into it? Yeah, good morning, PJ. Um, look, one of the things, I suppose, that was fairly obvious to me, you know, from looking around Cork and even my own area in Fairs Walk, uh, was that a number of, of houses are lying vacant um, because families have to use them as kind of collateral for places in nursing homes and the state nursing home fair deal scheme, as you mentioned. So, um, you know, I was kind of interested to know how many of those uh, houses are effectively lying idle, um, you know, despite huge demand on housing. And it turns out that there are close on 1,100 in Cork City and or just over 1,600 in the county, you know, which amounts to 2,700 houses approximately in Cork. Um, and then the national figure then is somewhere around 12,000. So about 20% of of those houses on the fair deal scheme um, are based, are, you know, are located in Cork. And to me, you know, there must be some sort of a solution there if we're struggling with materials and struggling with tradespeople for building houses. 
that here you have, you know, um, the, the guts of, you know, 2,700 houses in Cork that could be utilised that are presently laying idle, the vast majority of them. They, they are, though, aren't they, Mick, tied up in the legalities of the scheme? Yes, that seems to be the problem. But again, you know, I mean, when there's a will, there's a way here. There, there, there have things have happened over COVID-19, you know, that we were told could never happen. People working at home and, you know, remotely and that they'd have to be in the offices. And that all changed overnight. The legalities are, you know, things that can be changed literally with the stroke of a pen. Mm. Uh, and if we are struggling as a country and as a city and as a county uh, to build houses, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever that we have these houses vacant, tied up in, in a nursing home ski- scheme and people crying out, whether it's people on the social housing list, whether it's young couples looking for houses, whether it's, you know, members of the Ukraine community coming to Ireland. And the, the pressures are huge. Um, and it just makes no sense to me. As I said, I'm sure that if, if people knock their heads together between the Department of Housing, between the HSE, you know, who provide a fair deal scheme, yeah. that these houses can be opened up. I mean, they're there, they're built, you know, they're in all our communities, they're in every street in Cork probably. Mm. Um, and, you know, it just, it just baffles me why a solution can't be found on this. Wouldn't you be encroaching a little bit on the laws about private personal property if you were to do yeah. this? That that seems to be the kind of the the, the firewall that's put up when when this is mentioned. Um, but I'm sure that a temporary solution, a short or a medium term solution, um, will be found. I mean, there are people ringing councillors every day of the week saying that we're being given notice to quit by our current landlords. We have six months to get out. You know, the landlords are are either selling up and getting out of the market, or they're upping their rent, or giving it to their family. And I, I you know, and while there is that uh, constitutional right, to, you know, uh, housing. Um, the property ownership, sorry, um, you know, framed in the Constitution. I am certain that there are short-term or medium-term measures that can be done to kind of get us over the, the bump. I mean, it could be a case of looking at these houses as temporary solutions, you know, until the housing rate construction um, is up. And, you know, that the, the councils around the country are building thousands of houses instead of single digits, or in some cases, none at all. You made the point about how quickly we learned things can be done when our backs are to the wall like they were during the pandemic. Is there a danger, Mick, that now that the pandemic, or the worst of it anyway, is in the rearview mirror, thankfully, we go back to the old ways where things, oh, it's not that simple. We need to not go back to that mentality, don't we? Yeah, and I think that could be a default position, you know, in a lot of services. Um, and I think the, the big problem there, PJ, is that there is such a kind of a build-up of need, whether it's in the health service or housing or, you know, everything else, that we can't go back to that mentality. I mean, we have to keep going the way we were going. We have to be dynamic and creative in our thinking to, to approaches. And as I said, this um, issue about the, the houses tied up in the fair deal scheme, yeah. it's really baffling to me. I mean, I got a call yesterday from a woman about a house that's derelict in the Belfian area. Um, and we checked it out and it was a private house that had gone into dereliction. The council wasn't aware of it. It's now gone on the list. And it takes time to bring private houses that are derelict or unused back into um, circulation. Uh, but they are they are doing that but again, maybe, you know, the, the excuse before no was, oh, look, we don't have the resources, we don't have it done. But it seems to be, you know, there, there was a good move was made on that throughout the city in bringing these houses. The People would be aware of, you know, the notices that were put up in houses. Mm. You know who the owner of this property is. Mm. Happened in College Road, happened in the lock, happened in, you know, in Balfihan and Greenmount. And that, that's just the areas that I'm familiar with. Mm. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think, you know, there could be a default back to that, Ash. Look, we can't do that. But I think when it comes to housing, it's so... It's like, 
we're getting you know 15, 20 calls a day about housing across various issues. Uh, we really need to be creative in the solution. I'd be calling on government and I'd be calling on the departments to get their heads together and see how could we use these houses which are actually already built. There's no you know there's no issue of um, tradespeople. There's no issue of materials. They're built. The vast majority are lying vacant, and that to me is a, sh- a shame and something of a scandal at a time when people are looking for for houses, you know, in such numbers. Mick, thank you. No problem. That's Councillor Mick Finn speaking to me earlier, uh, pointing out that there are two thousand seven hundred houses vacant and tied up in the fair deal scheme. And yeah, you'd probably want to change a lot of law and do a lot of um, dragging and pulling around of protocols to actually fix it and release any of those houses but it's it's worth a thought one would think. Now Martin, you Martin Leahy, you have an eviction notice hanging over you at the moment. When do you need to be gone from where you're living? Good morning. Good morning PJ. Um, I, I need to be gone by the middle of June um, I think it's the 16th of June there. Um, so yeah it's it's uh, it's um, hanging over me there now at the moment. How, hmm. And how long have you been trying to find a new place? When did you get the notice? Uh, about eight months ago, so I've been looking that long. Um, it's it, it's a combination of the lack of availability of properties and the price. Uh, I feel priced out of the market. It's it, they're, they're so since I was renting last time, prices have more than doubled. Yeah. So um, uh, um, so that that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Now you've been travelling up and down to the dial. You're a musician. And you've written a song yeah. about this. You've been travelling up and down to the dial weekly, every every Thursday. Yeah, basically, what happened is I wrote this song called uh, "Everyone Should Have a Home," and I released it, and it got it's it's getting good traction. So I decided uh, to go up and do a protest outside the dial, um, and I decided to make it a weekly thing, um, every Thursday at one p.m. and where I kind of where I just sing the song and um, uh, go up there for a, about an hour and do that um, I suppose just the sense of helplessness uh, brought me to do that and uh, just the fact that that's the only thing I could do so I, I've i just decided to do that Have you had any of our local politicians approach you? Um, none of our local politicians um, I've had a few uh, last week there was a cost of living protest going on at the same time yeah. so I I played my song at that. They asked me to play the song at that. So um, there was a lot of politicians um, involved in that, you know. What bothers you most, I think, Martin, apart from the problems that you have are facing in the next couple of weeks, is the number of empty premises, boarded up, derelict houses or places that have come out of council use, as it were, and are boarded up waiting the next tenant. That bothers you big time. Big time, yeah. It's um, I I, th- I think there's like a kind of a, a rough estimate put on it uh, of two two hundred thousand houses in the in the in the country, um, that are that are derelict in this way. Um, Frank O'Connor and Jude Cherry have been doing great work on social media, highlighting this. Right. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, it's it's galling. I mean, it, you think of the. With the amount of people, I, I was reading an article recently a few days ago by Rory Hearn on the Examiner, where he was talking about uh, children and um, being tr- a whole generation of kids being traumatized by this kind of um, insecurity, instability, living in this uh, constant state of anxiety about um, will their 
will, will you know that their home is not their home because the rental market is so um it's just so wild and unpredictable. You, the landlord could sell the property at any time, given eviction notice. You don't know if the rent is going to go up. The, this is obviously uh, the uh, the article was kind of pointing out this. Uh, kids are totally kind of picking up on this and this kind of state of anxiety. Not only picking up on it, actually having to physically move as well. You know, um, so that that's. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a problem. It's it's affecting. It's monstrous and crushing. If you're looking to buy a house, if you're renting a house, if you're homeless, on every level, it's kind of, it's permeated the society, you know. Three weeks tomorrow, I don't need to remind you, is, is your deadline. Like, have you got dependents, yeah. Martin? Are you a guy on your own or have you got dependents, kids, what? No, I'm a guy on my own. Luckily, I don't have, you know, kids in the local school and stuff like that, you know, which would, yeah, totally uh, make the problem way bigger. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I might put my stuff in storage and head off somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just feel, uh, I, I, I don't feel I could do it here anymore, you know? No. Hmm. Uh, you're nervous? Um, you lose a bit of sleep, slightly. Maybe. I mean, yeah, well, you know, I've been thinking about it since I wrote the song and uh, when I was writing the song, I was kind of thinking like this is a very kind of high level of anxiety to be kind of living in. And then I was thinking, well, when you're renting in Ireland, you know, because the rental sector isn't regulated like it is in other European countries, I I feel like that um, you're living in this state of kind of anxiety all the time. Mm. You're kind of aware on some level um, that your home is not your home and that you could be turfed out at any point. The rent could go up. That's a weird kind of anxiety to be living with when you're renting um, your whole life. Like there, there are countries in Europe where you can rent, um, you've lifetime security of tenure and you can rent for your whole life and that can be your home and you don't have to worry about putting a nail in the wall or, or putting up a shelf or anything like that. And you, you can be secure in the knowledge that that's your home for the rest of your life, but not so here. And so, yeah, so I guess yeah. If I'm if I'm nervous about moving, it's a kind of a, a nervousness that has been there all the time. Yeah, because I think you 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 voiced that very well, Martin. That to to rent in Ireland in 2022 is to live in a constant state of being unsure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's the way it feels, and yeah. Um, that's, yeah, you're right about the sleepless nights and all that. <laughs> that puts it very, that, that puts it very well and very strongly. Listen, good luck, man. Three weeks. Look, yeah, a lot can happen in so three much. weeks. Realistically, realistically, unfortunately, there's not a lot in going, but a lot could happen if somebody wanted to make it happen. Is what I'm trying badly to say here. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, Look after yourself. So Take care, Martin. Good luck. See you. That's Martin. He three weeks now. He's a single chap living on his own. His needs are small. He just needs a place to call home. But I think it's a very good point that he makes. To, to, to be renting in this country at this time is constantly to be on a state of increased anxiety. Anybody else listening that's facing eviction like that or looking for a house? I mean, Martin, he's just got himself to worry about, as it were. But if you've got a couple of kids or you know, a partner or whatever... It must be worse, ten times worse again. Anybody else in that position? Uh, but Martin's in. 
0818 Hi PJ, how are you this morning? I'm a private agency worker as a home care assistant. I work I worked all through the pandemic full time with HSE clients who are contracted out to private agencies. We're further down the list of getting this thousand euro payment. It hasn't even been confirmed that we will, even though we did the same work. It's very undignified and very unfair on workers. Thank you sincerely for highlighting it. I'm a frontline paramedic. We've been in the thick of it from the start and no ambulance staff have yet received this payment. Thanks for highlighting. All CUH nurses have to complete a form to be given to their line manager for verification that they worked during COVID. The form to be completed by end of June. So I'd say it'll be August at the earliest before we get any hint of it. That is just, that is just barmy. Like, check their name in the roster. You'll see they were working. That's mad. Utterly mad. I'm working in the healthcare sector in Cork. I'm not in CUH. We still haven't received the bonus. We did go to management and they said they'd get the union to look into it for us. What? But we still have no answers. Nothing's been made clear. It's very frustrating. It's also disheartening. We risked our health during the pandemic. I brought the virus home to my family. Now we have the cost of fuel to get to work. And this bonus, they were told this bonus would be allocated in the next payment after April, according to the minister. And it's, let's, let's, let's not put a tooth in it here. That's sitting in bank accounts, gathering interest, while people try to pay their bills. It is, it is disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Shine Ladies Lunch takes place on Saturday the 11th of June at the Clayton Hotel, Cork City. A fabulous day filled with food, fun, music and more. There'll be a host of raffle and spot prizes on the day with dancing until 10pm. All proceeds from the event will go towards supporting the work of the Shine Centre Cork, supporting families and children on the autistic spectrum. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Cork's 96fm. Now, a few responses coming in to uh, Councillor Mick Finn's idea with regard to the fair deal scheme. If you are involved in that, if you've got a relative benefiting from it, and you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. Because it is kind of complex. You would have to go into things like property rights, you know, legal possessions and all that kind of carry on. But Mick Finn says, look, we've got such a crisis and there's two and a half thousand houses in Cork City and County tied up in fair deal. We need to look at them as as a as a as an option, I guess, is what he's saying. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I don't know how many undocumented migrants there are in Ireland, but I'm sure just like there are, if you're undocumented in the United States, you're from Ireland, there are problems with being an undocumented migrant in, in Ireland. Uh, Michael uh, Polakowski is policy officer of the European Migration Network in Ireland. Uh, and Michael, how many undocumented migrants are here? Good morning to you. Good morning. So, 
our report, uh, which is part of an EU-wide study conducted by the European Migration Network located in Ireland within the ASRI, discussed this issue. And what we know from, from the NGO, Migrant Rights Centre Ireland, it is estimated that around 17 to 20,000 undocumented persons reside in the state. And maybe I will, um, I will mention who are undocumented migrants. So basically yeah. there are people residing in Ireland without legal permission to do so. So we call them irregularly staying migrants. And in this uh, population of 70 to 20,000 people, it's around two to 3,000 children. Right, right. And how do they come to be here undocumented? So our research shows that most irregularly staying migrants or undocumented migrants in Ireland enter the country legally as students, as, as workers, and then later become undocumented. Okay. Okay, a bit like a lot of Irish people entered the United States and outstayed their visas and outstayed their their paperwork and things like that. Is it how difficult is it to live as an undocumented in Ireland? But also, how difficult or how easy, whichever, is it to get documented if you're undocumented? So. Um our research shows that irregularly staying migrants can experience difficulties accessing services, so they might not access social housing, for example. And although irregularly staying migrants can access emerging healthcare, for example, or basic medical healthcare with payment, access to more specialized healthcare is difficult. And but also there is an additional component here. So while previous research has shown that fear of detection can lead to a general underuse of public services, our studies found that there is a lack of public service firewall or provisions guaranteed that a person's irregular migration status will not be shared with migration authorities. So first of all, it's hard to access certain services, not only social services, but public services in, in general, but also on the on the side of um, uh, of undocumented irregular, irregularly staying migrants, it is, there is some fear to, uh, to uh, access these uh, services, fear of detection. So Moving to the second part of your question regarding um, becoming documented or regularizing status. So currently the government um, has opened a scheme which is called uh, the Regularization of Long-Term Undocumented Migrant Scheme. The scheme is open for applications from the end of January this year until the, the end of July this year. So basically uh, you have to prove that you you've been undocumented uh, for four years um, before uh, opening of the scheme. You have to be of good character and you are supposed to not to have a criminal record. Okay. And this is a bit like some of the visa schemes that have been offered to the Irish in America, for example. That's the comparison that we have. So if you've been here for a number of years, you might have come originally for work or come originally for a holiday and stayed how is is it an easy process to to begin regularization so first of all you need to uh, submit an application and part of this application is the proof of identity so you have to prove who you are basically then you have to prove that uh, you were here uh, for four years had been here for for four years before uh, opening the scheme, and you can present a number. So this person can present a number of uh, of, of various documents, be bills, uh, PPS number, uh, registration, some school records, for example. So 
the, this is this component of proving your stay here, and uh, then you have to pay a fee, which is 550 uh, per single application and 700 euro per per family uh, application. Yeah, is there much interest in the scheme? You say it's been running for a while. So far, what we know from the beginning of this month, so from the beginning of of May, we know that it's around 5,000 applications which um, which um, were submitted. And there are two components, two strands in this scheme. So first one is uh, is focusing on those undocumented individuals uh, with this record of four years of, of undocumented stay, whereas also there is an, another stream, which is uh, a strand, which is focusing on uh, individuals who applied for a refugee status, but they, they were waiting for at least two years to, to get the status, and they also can apply. So we know that from the second group, from the refugee uh, applicants, uh, uh, this group is estimated at around 4,000 people, 1,300 uh, people uh, applied, whereas for the other, it would be around two two and a half thousand people who, who applied for the scheme. And Michael, you know all the people who live in direct provision and many of them have been there for quite some time and they may have been refused uh, regularization through direct provision or refused access through direct provision can they apply for this scheme in principle those who are staying there uh, for at least two years without having a decision issued they they can they can uh, apply yes okay okay and where do they where do they apply where, where do they begin they, they need to visit uh, the government's website, uh, but also uh, there is some some support uh, on the side of uh, non-governmental organizations who can help them submit uh, this application. Okay, and in general, I'm talking about in general now. Where do people start? Anyone who's undocumented listening to us at the moment, nervous about their status, nervous about their, where do they begin, Michael? They, they should uh, they should vis- visit uh, immigration service delivery website so the government's uh, website which is dealing with uh, immigration issues and there there is a separate section on on the scheme so they can uh, read about all the conditions to be met uh, and the procedure and also this website provides information in several languages so it's not only uh, English but also other uh, languages as well available okay and it runs until the end of July. Michael Polakowski, thank you very much. Policy officer with the European Migration Network in Ireland. So anybody who's undocumented, and you can be working away, paying your taxes, but you can still be undocumented. The Irish did it for years, are still doing it in the States, but this is an opportunity and around the world, but this is an opportunity to get yourself documented. And there's a scheme that runs now until the end of July, which is You've got over two months now to get regularised. If you've been here for four years, you've been obviously staying under the radar because you're undocumented, but you've been behaving yourself and doing everything right and you've not been in trouble with the law, then there is a way. 0818 96 96 96. We've quite a lot of stuff coming in on those bonus payments and it doesn't look like a lot of people have been paid. It really doesn't look like a lot of people been paid. There's a lot of confusion as well, says this message about who's going to get the thousand. My wife works in a hospital pharmacy. Originally she thought she'd be entitled to it, but since she's been told she's not, even though she worked all through the pandemic. She'd have been in wards where there were COVID positive patients. She would have dealt with doctors and nurses on a daily basis. Also the negative psychological effects during that time. 
were unbelievable. And there's more, and I'll come to them after the news. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. This time tomorrow, we'll be four hours into it. We'll be four hours into the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting cancer services in Cork. Four hours into it by this time tomorrow. It all comes around so fast. We start talking about it probably end of January, start of February, and here we are now, less than 24 hours away from the start. But so looking forward to it. This is our last regular opinion line this week. We're on the air, obviously, between 9 and 12 for Radiothon. Fiona will be joining me in studio. We have a host of guests. We have lots of interviews for you to hear. Lots of people joining us on the show over the couple of days. But this is the last regular opinion line pre the Radiothon, which kicks off at 6am tomorrow. 0818 96 96 96. Just going back to that awful story from Texas, which is dominating the international news this morning, and rightly so. And we haven't talked a lot about it on the program this morning. I kind of like to throw it open to the floor a little bit, see what you think. Unfortunately, I, as a journalist, as a presenter, just as a human being, I've watched this crack in the states for for too long now, and I've some very close friends that live in the States, one of whom is retired military uh, in the States and and has particular views on the Second Amendment. And every time I'm in chat with them, it's it's around the time that one of of these things has happened. And it's just, it's bonkers. Utterly, utterly, utterly bonkers. Here's some of the stuff that Joe Biden has been saying during the night. It's hard to disagree with a word that President Biden says here. But you kind of know in your heart that, I'm sorry, you know in your heart, and I'm going to say this at the risk of drawing the wrath on me, you know in your heart it's it's going to do nothing. Here's what the president, who knows what it's like, let's face it, he knows what it's like to lose a child. Let us listen to a little bit of what Joe Biden's been saying. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done. I spent my career as a senator and a vice president working to pass common sense gun laws. The idea that an 18-year-old kid can walk into a gun store and buy two assault weapons is just wrong. Why are we willing to live with this carnage? Why do we keep letting this happen? Where in God's name is our backbone to have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies? It's time to turn this pain into action for every parent, for every citizen in this country. We have to make it clear to every elected official in this country. It's time to act. Passionate words from Joe Biden. Uh, but There'll be another one. 
away, unfortunately. 0818969696. By email, we're hearing that Beaumont Hospital in Dublin is the only hospital in the country where the workers so far got the €1,000 bonus. Uh, on WhatsApp, I'm a HSE healthcare worker, worked through the whole pandemic. I didn't get the bonus either yet. This was the time, says this message, this was the time when Ireland closed down, including the schools. So healthcare workers had to give up work for a few months to mind their families, like most workers. This time was chosen for this reason. If you broke your work rota for any reason during this time, you don't get the payment. Forgive me, but COVID was around a lot longer. And although I broke my contract for a couple of months, I was back at work. I worked five days a week from October 2020 when I managed to find childcare to return. I'm not entitled to the bonus because working on a COVID ward five days a week since October 2020 somehow didn't matter. What? What? See, this is the stuff that we're never told when they're announcing these wonderful schemes. We're getting lots more on it too. There's a few more down the, the, the page there that I'll get to. Yeah, I'm a frontline paramedic. We've not got any money yet. We've been in the thick of it. None of the ambulance crews, none of the ambulance staff have received the payment so far. Minister said, Minister McGrath said it will be paid up at the end of April. And this is the end of May. And people still don't have their thousand euro. We have caught on to Minister McGrath's office to see if there's any chance of a statement. Um, he is away at the moment on business, we understand. We'll see what comes back. 0818 96 96 96. Um, on the Fair Deal scheme and Councillor Mick Finn talking about the 2,700 houses caught up in the Fair Deal scheme around Cork City and County and could they or could they not be used to free up properties uh, for people on the housing list. My mother's been in residential care, this is Michael, my mother's been in residential care for three years under the Fair Deal scheme. Her house is rented out. People are under the impression, from what contributors like Mr Finn are saying, that it's forbidden to rent out the house. You can, and the money is put towards the care of the individual. The government's proposing a change in the way the income is treated, but that's just a relatively small change. Thanks for that, Michael. We have a home in the Fair Deal scheme. The red tape is ridiculous. But some of the vacant houses could be held up in the court system if there's a row between the family and someone is contesting a will. That is true. That is true. 0818 96 96 96. Now, this is Africa a Day, specifically. It's almost an entire week, as we learned yesterday. And I've been speaking to a good friend of the show, Dr. Monica Perez, about a particular problem that affects women's health and is... Uh, given to understand more prominent among women of colour and African women in particular. We do not know why, um, but I've been talking to Dr. Monica Perez, okay, about it. Monica, as a man, I'm never going to have to worry about this and looking into the troubles it causes for some women, I'm, I'm damn glad of that. But what is a fibroid to start with? Hello, PJ. So what is a a fibroid? So basically, a fibroid is a growth in in around the womb or inside the womb, and it's made up of uterine material. So uterine means your womb material and also some muscles. 
And the good thing is that uh, fibroids are non-cancerous growth, but they can cause other issues. But thankfully, they're non-cancerous. No, they can get very big, I believe. Yes, they can. So they come in different sizes and they also are in different parts of your um, your different location, rather. So usually they're around the womb so that they can either be in the lining of the womb or outside the womb or, uh, or between the lining of um, the womb and your muscles. So they're basically anywhere. Are they dangerous? That is also dependent on the size because they because of their location and also their sizes. So some of them can be very, very, very tiny, as tiny as a pea. Yeah. And some can be as huge that you can actually feel it so as huge as a melon. That's how it's been described. So dependent on the location, the fibroids could actually um, cause some troubles um, from like the symptoms of like heavy bleeding or you could have them and you actually have no idea and they could be incidental findings. And can they become dangerous i know they're not cancerous but can they do harm yes they can eventually so especially if you have really big fibroids are quite active and active in a sense that you're having the symptoms of the heavy painful bleeding so having this heavy painful bleeding will eventually lead to anemia Ah. which could also lead which is like low blood count which could also lead to other complications your body so in that sense they can become dangerous Sometimes as well, depending on your location, uh, if you're pregnant and you do have fibroids that might be obstructing the the canal, the, the birth canal, mm. it could actually maybe lead to um, miscarriages. It could also lead to like uh, difficult pregnancy, dangerous deliveries and things like that. So their, uh, their significance is literally, I suppose, dependent on their location and their size and the symptoms that they give to the, uh, the cause people. Now, I was listening to a documentary piece on BBC and I was surprised to learn that they are more common, considerably more common, in fact, uh, among black women. Do we know why that is, Monica? As far as I know, there's no uh, reason found yet. And you're right, they're quite common in black women. So in terms of fibroids, I believe about two to four people uh, two to uh, two in ten people would have a fibroid. A uh, woman will have fibroids, but out of that, you eighty um, percent of them would be black women. And there's still, I suppose, when it comes to women's health, uh, there's not a lot of research that I've been done in years years ago. But thankfully, that is all changing. But I do remember that there was a paper I read that um, there's some evidence that it could be linked to. Um, low vitamin D levels and it is not surprising especially in this part of the world that uh, black people actually tend to have low vitamin D level due to the pigment of our skins and things like that so Mm. that could be contributory as well but I don't know if there are other factors maybe in our DNA that could make us more predisposed to fibroids there are so many so many um, diseases and conditions that are particular to different um, ethnicities and um, race. So I think this is one of them. That documentary piece that I heard did indeed refer to uh, vitamin D. But maybe you'll explain to me why uh, the vitamin D is a problem for black women. Basically, yes. Yeah. So the melanin, <laughs> our beautiful melanin. Yeah. So it, so it, it is protective. 
and that's why the, in the incidence of uh, skin cancer, it's more common in lighter skin and fairer people. So the melanin um, stops, like, uh, reduces the amount of sun we get into our, our bodies. And then in terms of um, being in a country like Ireland now that we barely have a lot of sunshine, yeah. so you don't get enough of it. And the later you get, yeah, you can't really um, make your vitamin D. And in terms of dietary sources as well, there's not a lot of foods that would have vitamin D. So in that sense, that would cause low levels of vitamin D in um, in darker skinned people, in black people, yeah. And like you say, some of the research is pointing to maybe a vitamin D deficiency. So w- would someone recognise symptoms, Monica, and would someone know when it was time to get examined? Yes and no. So... The thing is that when it comes to women's health and especially our periods, we sometimes take um, certain symptoms as our norm because we've always experienced this. And even though it's it's a quite disco- uh, uncomfortable, we just accept it because this is kind of our norm. Meanwhile, so things like heavy periods, painful periods, um, bleeding in between the cycle, um, uh, unusual constipation, pain during intercourse and all. So those things can be non-specific because there are so many reasons for that. So they wouldn't directly um, point towards you having a fibroid. The only thing that might maybe point to that is maybe if you have a fibroid that is outside the womb and is large enough to be felt on examination, then that might be an inkling. Mm. But the other symptoms as well, like you could get endometriosis with that. So the gold standard or the key message I want to get across is that if you do have issues with your periods and you have questions about it, do not just accept it as what it is. Go to your doctor, have a chat with your doctor, and if possible, maybe get an ultrasound, which is not that easy to get in Cork anyway. But... Get it, because that way at least you can see if you do have a fibroid and their treatment's available. Did I pick you up right there? Can they grow outside the womb? Yes. So that was what I was saying. I suppose I didn't explain that properly. So yes, they are uterine material and muscles, but they just don't form inside the womb. So they can form outside the womb, in between the lining of the womb, inside the womb itself. So yes, um, I remember uh, many, many years ago, I took part in a surgery uh, and this uh, was of a woman that actually had a fibroid outside the womb and oh my God, it was the size of a baby, a newborn baby, 3.5 kgs. And it could, it could be, you could feel it when, um, pal- when you were palpating that abdomen. So in that sense, it kind of led us to that because it was big enough as opposed to somebody that might have, have it inside the womb and it's small enough that it cannot be palpated, but it is causing like symptoms, symptoms of even like urinary, what we call urinary frequency because yeah. that large thing, you know, the way your bladder. And press your on the bladder. Exactly. So things like that. Can they be treated when they get troublesome? Absolutely. Thankfully, science is quite advanced. So there are multiple treatments available and most of them are quite successful. You could have medical management with it, which is using hormonal therapy. So a magical contraceptive pill actually could work for this as well in helping reducing the size of the fibroids. And that could also help with the symptoms of the heavy bleeding. So for some people, that is sufficient. And if that's not enough, um, you could also have surgery. There are different types of surgeries you could have. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have your womb taken out in a hysterectomy. You could actually have the actual fibroid taken out. Mm. Uh, 
or you could have, um, so that's what we call like a myomectomy, or you could have something called uh, uterine um, artery embolization, which is basically they just um, kill the blood supply to that fibroid. So where you still get to keep your womb and you still like fertility and everything is um, intact in that sense. And um, finally, I think there is hysterectomy, if that is indicated, if that's what you want as well. So, yeah, so there's so many things that can be done for it. That is why it's important not to just ignore your symptoms and just accept it as what they're, especially when they are causing you discomfort. First port of call, definitely, though, your GP. Monica, thank you very much, as always. Thank you so much for having me. Monica Perez, okay, uh, GP in Cork and joins us frequently on the opinion line. We, we got up with her during, caught up with her during uh, COVID about uh, certain issues and she's become a good friend of the show since. Good to speak with her again today. Um, thankfully, uh, yeah, the number of times now these days that I thank myself or they thank my lucky stars that I am a man. <laughs> I don't have to go through do things like menopause and fibroids and pregnancy and all that stuff. Yeah. Count me blessings on a frequent basis. 0818 96 96 96. There was anti-social behaviour on buses um, over the last number of weeks and we were looking into it on the programme again yesterday. We got a statement back from uh, Bus Aaron. Not a lot in it. Give it to you next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Straight away I was referred to an oncologist and I had to go through a whole lot of scans and tests then, you know, before I started the chemo. I remember the morning that I was going in just saying to my husband that I feel so well going in and I've no idea what I would be like this evening. It is so scary to start that chemotherapy journey. I'm doing just fine now it's over I've been moving on and living my life But occasionally I lose composure And I can get you out of my mind the Corks 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Listen Thursday from 6 a.m. on Corks 96 FM. There isn't a whole pile in that Bosserin statement, so I'll hold on to it for a bit. Trust me, there's a bit in it, but you won't be you won't be making popcorn to listen to this in with bated breath or excitement. But I will come back to it. 0818 96 96 96. Now Olivia Clifford, good morning and welcome to the opinion line. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Tell me about Charlie and tell me about Make-A-Wish. Well, um, Charlie's my youngest son and they're the first week of the Easter holidays. Um, Charlie's wish came true for Make-A-Wish. Um, I suppose, um, well, I start at the start of the process, I suppose, probably PJ. The, pro- probably yeah. the best, probably the best place. <laughs> Probably the best. So basically, um, Charlie, when he was born, he had um, hemorrhoid hypertrophy, which means his left leg was bigger than his right and it was a different shape and things like that. And one of the um, things connected to hemorrhoid hypertrophy is um, kidney cancer. So as he was growing up and they were keeping an eye on his kidney and then when he was 13 months, they discovered, yeah, he has cancer. Yeah, 
So um, you can imagine we were entered into this whirlwind of craziness. And one of the doctors said to me, goes, do you know Charlie would be a candidate for Make-A-Wish? And I was kind of, PJ, I suppose I was taken back at the time because um, I suppose as a family, we're kind of in denial how sick Charlie was. And I was yeah. like, oh God, he's not sick enough for that. Um, and I kind of put it on the back burner and didn't think of it anymore. So um, Charlie got the kidney removed and he had chemotherapy for a year and everything was going great. And he was um, starting preschool and, you know, um, God, you know, chemotherapy, chemotherapy when you're three, Olivia, that must be some. Well, yeah. Well, he started it at 13 months, PJ. Um, and I can honestly say um, if there's a good time to get cancer, 13 months isn't a bad time, PJ, because he was a strong, like he wasn't a baby baby. He was big and strong. Okay. Um, um, but yet he didn't know, like he didn't know when we were hopping in the car that he was going up to Dublin for, you know, loads of tests. He didn't know that we were heading into the Mercy Hospital for loads of tests. He just went with the flow, do you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and he got over that and everything was going fine. And then Christmas 2019, he became very, very ill and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And we were told he had the flu, but he had already the flu vaccine and then he seemed to get the flu again. And um, I suppose we're kind of limited in medications. You can use them, Charlie, because he only had the one kidney. Um, so we were... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Inside in CUH and they were doing all these tests and I was doing the day shift, let's say, and my husband Seamus was staying with Charlie during the night. Yeah. Um, I suppose one thing we'd always promised, even when Charlie was first diagnosed with the cancer when he was a baby, that with three other girls, we'd keep the home fires burning as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. We didn't want this to take over the whole our whole lives, let's say. Yeah. So um, I was heading into CUH for the, the day shift and um, I went in and Seamus had Charlie's stuff all packed up and I was like, delighted. I was like, great, PJ, he's coming home. Mm-hmm. And Charlie, uh, Seamus goes, no. He has to be taken to Crumlin. His heart is in a bad way. And I said, all right, okay, we'll go in your car and I'll get the neighbor to pick up my car. And he goes, no. He says, it's too risky. They're taking him by ambulance. Oh, so that kind of took us all back. He had four aneurysms on the heart. And um, as Seamus was going up in the ambulance with Charlie and I was going up in the car, I said, I was just kind of thinking away to myself. And I said, you know what? He deserves a wish. Mm-hmm. and I said yeah he deserves it who might say he's not sick enough for a wish he deserves it he's been through a lot so um, 
um, make a wish they got on to me. Now, it's not just a quick process. They um, did so many Zoom calls with Charlie and played games with him to find out what he really wanted for his wish. And I suppose it came as no surprise when Charlie said he wanted to be a farmer. Oh. Um, now, yeah. Now, his sisters were a bit... Um, disappointed with that they were like we could go to Tata Park we could go here we could go there but no I mean Charlie's second why why does he want to be a farmer I don't know now we live in the country we don't live in a farm but there's a farm down the road and he's always like Charlie's second word first word was dada and the second word was tratra and that meant tractor and anywhere we went if he saw a tractor he was absolutely delighted so um, during all this process when they were talking to us they also the the team from Make-A-Wish um, found out that Charlie loves Marty Moan. He's a singer. He sings Hit the Diff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So when we turned up for Charlie's Wish, they had a um, big signed photo from Marty Moan and a Marty Moan T-shirt Brilliant. and discs and all. Sure, he was in his element. He just like, he was over the moon. Yeah. So our first stop to the farm was to Palace Kenry. It's an agricultural college just outside Limerick. Yes. And we met with two boys there, Aidan and Colm, and they basically spent the whole day just following Charlie around, left Charlie do whatever he wanted to do, showed him, I don't know how many tractors. We saw sheep, we saw cattle, and um, he got to go on a combine harvester. Wow. Just he was smiling from start to finish, and we were smiling too because the two boys just left us do whatever you want. They answered all our silly questions. Um, like the ladies in the canteen had Easter eggs for everyone. You know, it was well, just... You can't put a price on that, can you? No, no. They thought of everything, absolutely everything. They had a John Deere hat for him and all. And at the end of the day, they presented him with a certificate to say that he had the first part of his farming training done. And uh, that takes pride and place up in his bedroom. Oh, and he was... Uh, like it's just I suppose PJ it's like it's thought really they they make a wish they look at every angle of it you know and like they talked to Charlie so much and they talked to me and Seamus and they as a whole family as well they talked to the girls and things like that like they included them as well Um, and then from there we moved up to Sligo to John Norman Lee a man up there it's like um, Tupper Curry, he had a farm up there, a working farm that you can go and stay on. Yeah. And um, like it was a long drive now from Limerick up there and Charlie was getting tired and all. And next thing when we got close to the house, there were signs up Cork. And then it was like a sign, welcome Whoa. Charlie. Whoa. You know, and it was all this and balloons along the road. It was just magical. And he went in and um, like John and his wife, Maria, and their daughter, Cho, like they just like accepted us part of their family. Basically, they were going out showing us the chickens. They were showing us the geese and they got us to feed everything. It was just so magical. They they pulled out all the stops. They did. They did. And then we were sitting and having our lunch. And um, next thing there was big noise outside. And I was like, what's going on? And we went out and um, neighbours of John had come up. Um, Derek was his name. And Bernie. Bernie, sorry, Bernie was his name. Big, massive tractors with um, a muck spreader on the back of it. And Charlie just, oh, delighted. Absolutely. The excitement. And out she went. And like, um, they left Charlie up in the cab and drive around, let's say with someone with him, obviously. Like, but Charlie thought he was driving on his own. And just like PJ, every now and then Charlie goes quiet here. And next thing you hear, 
do you remember when I got to do? Do you remember when we did this? Ah, you know, all about his wish. Like, they're just so good. Fabulous. How is he these days? He's good. He's good. Now, as we're saying, like, he had a rough, I suppose. First of all, with the hemihypertrophy, that was quite rough. And that was a big shock. And particularly when he was first born, because we had no idea. And nobody knew what it meant. Or we didn't even know if he would walk. Um, and he did. And he's had... Like, you know, the way some parents count operations, I've never counted how many operations Charlie's had because I just don't want to think about it. And he's doing very, it does, it does, it does. Now he is just after getting, he had an external frame on his leg. So he had 14 pins going through his leg there for the last six months. And he got that off just before his wish, which was brilliant because otherwise he wouldn't have been able to get into the tractors and stuff like that. Um, Has he paid? Like he's gone off. He would have had a lot of pain when he was on the chemotherapy. He would have had a lot of pain and it was very hard to keep on track of it when he was younger. But um, I suppose, PJ, we're kind of lucky here in Cork that um, the Mercy Hospital have two call-out oncology nurses. Yes, yeah, the Poons Poons nurses, they called them, I think. That's it. They were like, um, it was Peg and Olga, like they were just fantastic. They'd come out and... um, it means he didn't have to drag him into hospital every time he needed his blood done or things like yeah. that. Um, and like, I suppose with the chemotherapy, an awful lot of pain would be joint pain and bone pain. Mm. Um, so that was fairly hard to keep under control. Um, but like at the moment now, he's gone off to school today. He has a splint on his leg. He's covered in bruises because he's just going so fast because he's so happy to be out of the wheelchair. Um, and yeah. That's it. And I suppose he's on a lot of blood thinners as well for the heart. So he just bruises all over, but it doesn't right. stop him. He keeps stop on going. He's a, he's, he's, a gutsy, he's a gutsy little lad. He's a gutsy yeah, little lad. Yeah, he keeps on Oh, <laughs> I just couldn't resist it. Because you asked me, did I know this song? Yeah, his favourite one. His favourite one. Absolutely loves it. How the heck did he get to hear about Marty Moan and hit the diff? I don't know. I think it was at some stage inside in one of the hospitals that someone of the doctors or nurses, because they knew he was obsessed with tractors and stuff like that. And I think they played it for him on his phone. Actually, I think it was one of the nurses played it for him on his phone, trying to distract him when he was, something was being done and just fell in love with it. It's the daftest little song ever. I was at a, a, a disc, uh, playing a, a wedding one night and a couple of lads asked for it and she was mad. It's mad. Listen, I wish you yeah. well and the whole family well, but particularly young Charlie well with the future. Thank you very know. much. Olivia, seeing as we're talking, as well, there's obviously Make-A-Wish, wonderful charity and deserves support. On, yeah. the, on the eve of the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon, we've talked about Poons and we talked about the Mercy. Yes. And we talked about so yeah. many different elements of Radiothon. So you've... Yeah. Even kick that off for us in a small way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the nurses and them, they were so good. Like just be able to come out so that, I mean, every time you go into hospital, you're facing into like, especially when he was neutropenic, when his blood cells were so low, you didn't want anyone, you didn't want to go anywhere with him because infection, you know, Um, and to have the nurses to be able to come out here and do bloods to save you that going into the hospital for that one time um, just was amazing. It's amazing, and it's a service that should be all over the country. Indeed, absolutely. Listen, good yeah. luck to everybody, Olivia, and thanks very much. And well done to Make a Wish, and good on you, Charlie. Good on you, Charlie, and the Marty Moan fan club, <laughs> the, the president of which is Murray Tuig, I believe, at the moment. Oh eight one eight ninety. She'll kill me. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Playing to sold-out audiences all over the world, the Olivier Award-nominated Potted Potter, the unauthorised Harry Experience, takes on the ultimate challenge of condensing seven Harry Potter books into 70 hilarious minutes. It comes to the Everyman Theatre from June 29th to 31st. Access all areas. Shawadi have been long established as one of Europe's most successful ever exponents of retro-inspired rock and roll, boasting 23 top 40 singles over the years, and they come to Cork Opera House for a show on Wednesday, June 8th. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. I remember a colleague telling me one time, former colleague now, telling me one time about being ghosted and about how you build yourself up to think that this is a new relationship, you're all excited about it, you make a big commitment into it and then, push, they're gone. Like they never existed. It's an awful thing to do to somebody. Uh, Stephanie Prizer has been writing about it in The Independent and joins me. Stephanie, good morning. Morning, PJ, how are you doing? Good. When did it happen to you? Oh, like, it did happen to me before it was a word, right, which I think is also like... a. When we came out of college, um, a couple of my friends would have been, you know, texting people at the time because it was kind of before dating apps. And then all of a sudden the text would stop and we'd be discussing it, being like, what's wrong? Like, what happened there? Like, did they did they see my Facebook profile and not like something? Did I say something to offend them? But then slowly it became more common. And someone in New York wrote an article about it and put language on it and called it ghosting. Mm. And you know, having language to process something does help, but it's something that has become far more prevalent now. Um, and my friends are talking to me, they're going through it at the moment, I think particularly after the pandemic. And it just feels to them very destabilizing. And they just can't figure out like, why is it so difficult to just text someone and say, listen, I've changed my mind. I'm not interested anymore. And then we were doing, I discussed it on Instagram with my followers and what was interesting was different people's definition of ghosting. So some people yeah. feel that ghosting is only um, it's only really offensive if you've met the person. So like you go, you text them, you go on a date and then you never hear from them again. That's the most hurtful. People seem to be getting used to just the conversations online turning into nothing and, yeah. you know, this person becoming a phantom. Um, but it just it seems very hurtful and it is a form of social rejection, you know, mm. so you can understand why it is hurtful. I would I would have agreed that maybe agreeing to meet someone or planning to meet someone and then not showing up or meeting them once and then not being contactable the following that's possibly worse than just breaking off a conversation in the middle or is it yeah well it depends on how long the conversation is going on for you see because during the pandemic a lot of these things were just conversations that could have gone on for months because you were outside someone's 5k you lived in a different county so you were you know maybe doing zooms with them but texting like every single day and then all of a sudden nothing um yes of course being stood up that's a different that's a different issue but it's equally as rude and i think for some people they just want you know i think because it's like netflix how many times have you gone on to netflix 
watch one episode of something and then never ever come back to it again even forgot that you watched the one episode because there's so much choice and I think people are assuming now that online when you're on a dating app people are having multiple conversations with multiple people because you have to cast the net wide um, and then when one conversation sorts of like bubble up and become the one that you want to pursue you just forget about the others and leave people hanging but you don't know that the other person that you weren't the other person's person that was bubbling up to the surface if that makes sense and so it just seems that there's this big incongruity and it's really depleting people it's making people have to take breaks from the apps you know they feel like you know it's just that basic level of common decency and that communication is just not something you can expect from people Mm. and what kind of a foundation is that to build a relationship on yeah I, i personally am of the view stephanie that an awful lot of common decency is gone in the modern world anyway um, what would you think? Common decency. I mean, what like what kind of example? Well, like you, you said, have? just you know, look, like you know, I, I kind of look, you know what? Let's not continue. Thanks for the conversation and and all that, but I really don't want to date you, kind of thing. That's that's it's 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 an awful letdown for someone, but it's decent. It's, look, you know, I, it was nice I don't to- know that that has changed though. I think like since the Renaissance, you know, like men were riding off on horses never to be seen or heard from again. I just think <laughs> that the true. prevalence of the prevalence of social media, the fact that we are so contactable means that this is happening more frequently. Mm-hmm. Like if you were if you didn't have social media, you wouldn't be making eight, nine, ten social connections a week that could potentially be romantic. You know what I mean? It's it's true. just that it, your the volume has increased. There are, you know, it's a different conversation for us another time, PJ, about common yeah. decency in other areas. But are men worse offenders than women or are they both as bad? Well, I can't, uh, like my Instagram would be sort of 90% female, 10% male. They both report having had it done to them. And a lot of people also report having done it. And some people say like, I didn't have any choice but to ghost. I told this person I didn't want to see them again. They wouldn't take no for an answer. They kept contacting me and all I had to do, you know, I all I was left was to ignore them. And I don't think that that's ghosting. I think that's a totally different issue. I think that's when someone is not respecting your boundary and you have to sort of revoke the privilege of communication from them because they're going to try and talk you into something you don't want to do. But I don't know whether men are worse for it than women. I couldn't say because I don't have 50%. Like I'm, I'm in a bubble of women. So yes, men seem to be terrible offenders at it, but the small group of men that I do speak to, they also have this experience. So I couldn't say. And people that have done it. Yeah. You've you've talked to some of them that come through your Instagram. Yeah. Some of them are saying, some of them are saying like, yeah, I didn't have a choice or yeah, look at, well, I just, it just fizzled. Like the conversation was boring. So, you know, we just, I think we both, I think there's an assumption that the other person gets it too, but that's not the evidence because the evidence is saying that people are confused. They are, um, you know, they're let down. They're sort of wounded by it. And just a quick text to be like, hey, I changed my mind. I've been texting someone else. Or, you know, you don't even have to explain. Just, hey, I changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. Will at least give the person enough closure to delete the chat, stop checking when you're online, and stop feeling like at some point you might come back. Yeah. You see, you might be thinking, the other person might be, well, if they, if, they, if I don't make contact, they'll just get the message. I'm, I'm gone. And... Well, this is the thing that can happen as well, where people are gone for a while. Maybe they, you know, invest in another relationship. They're gone for a while and then uh, that relationship ends. So they're like, actually, I'll go back to this one. And it's very inconsistent. Um, And I think it's that sort of 
destabilizing that people have an issue with. It's not necessarily the hurt. It's just like, just give me some clarity yes. on what is the yes. right thing to do. Yeah, we like to, We like to be told in direct language what's going on in a person's head, even if it mightn't be too easy to listen to. Yeah, which I don't think is an unreasonable ask, you know? No, like, no, you're, no, no. I, I don't think people are being unreasonable saying like, here, just let me know if you don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I'm okay with it. We're adults here. Do you know if, if you... Yeah. <laughs> I, get you, I get your point. Stephanie, thanks a lot. That's Stephanie Preisner, who has been ghosted. And on her Instagram, she's been in contact with people who have ghosted. Um, that former colleague of mine uh, was telling me the story a few years ago and it was a, it was like a royal ghosting like a seriously royal ghosting as in they were all set to fly off to London for a weekend to meet this person and spend the weekend with them got to London um, and there was nothing there nothing they weren't met there wasn't a room booked nothing never heard from them again that would wreck your head Anyone been ghosted? Anyone listening to me that's been ghosted this morning? Would you do it? If you would do it, why would you do it? And Stephanie's right there. Like, if you met someone and then you just ghost them after that, then kind of... Or if you felt that you had no choice, kind of, they wouldn't leave you alone or they weren't getting the message. Well, maybe if they weren't getting the message, maybe you weren't given the message very clearly. I don't want to continue. We think we might have a movement on this... COVID payment to HSE workers. We think, we haven't verified it yet, but we think there might be some movement because we're getting comments all morning since we were contacted by someone who was told three paychecks ago it would be in the next paycheck. And we've had a lot of response to that. There's another level to this. My daughter was a student nurse during the pandemic. She left in February after her training to secure work that she was interested in over in the UK. She was told, as she's not on the payroll now, that you'll have to look for the money a different way. She asked how, but has had no replies. She's going to be in the Evelina London Children's Hospital from July, and it's going to be harder to pursue it. Well, I wish her well, and I wish her every success in a fine, fine hospital, the Evelina London Children's Hospital. But trying to get that thousand euro looks like it could be, it could be problematic, and it shouldn't be. Student nurses who worked and are not working now are having big problems in claiming it. Their claims were not being put through via HSE. And we've had many, many uh, messages in during the morning about this. 0818 96 96 96. Um, We have had a copy of an official email sent to workers. This is in the last half an hour, literally. We've been sent a copy of an email sent to workers about the bonus, which says a substantial amount of work has now been completed to enable payment of the bonus to staff at the next payroll. And it says, fortnightly will be paid tomorrow. So if you get your wages fortnightly, you'll be paid tomorrow. And if you're paid monthly, you'll be paid next Tuesday. This will include pensioners who are entitled to the payment. Now, we'll be in Radiothon mode tomorrow, but we'll return to this after the weekend. But maybe you could do me a huge favour if you are in these categories. If you get paid tomorrow, uh, as this email seems to say, 
then let me know. Just fling us a text or fail us an email maybe to opinion at 96fm.ie and after we're done with Radiothon we'll come back to it Monday but this is and this is not an official communication to us now from HSE or the Department of Health this is a listener who has communicated with us the details of an email they've received which says people who are paid fortnightly will start to get the bonus tomorrow and people who are paid monthly will get it on Tuesday this is one we'll watch with interest. We had Councillor Audrey Buckley on the show yesterday talking about antisocial behaviour on the 220 bus. And we were talking about whether you need to have private security and all that on the 220 bus. And Audrey was telling us about how there are gangs of teenagers and she has seen it and she sees it regularly. And she mentioned private security and all of this. We asked Boss Aaron for a statement. Well, actually, we asked Boss Aaron to give us somebody to interview. And that invitation remains open. But an awful lot of the, the, the time you go to these large public bodies and you ask for somebody for an interview and they just send you out a statement. And we didn't ask for a statement, we asked for an interview. But they sent us a statement anyway. Um, they said, Bus Aaron takes the security of drivers and passengers very seriously and recently met with Carrigaline Municipal District Council where the issue of antisocial behaviour was raised. In the past six months, we've had no reported incidents of antisocial behaviour on the Cork Cross City Route 220 between Carrigaline and Ovens. We encourage customers to report any instance to the Gardaí, to the driver or to our customer care line, which is open Week between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. weekdays and 8 to 6 at weekends. The number 0818-836-611. We had a small number of incidents reported by drivers in 2021. None of these occurred on board our service. So that's their response to what Councillor Audrey Buckley was saying yesterday on the show. Like I said, not a whole pile to write home, but that's a longer statement. But effectively, it's the same statement as they gave us about Marwood uh, a week ago. The very same statement, bar a little bit extra on top. Okay. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Couple of texts in about your TikTok thing. All babies are born ugly, but blossom beautiful, says Lydia here. All right. You have a theory that all babies look like Christy Moore when they they're do. born. They, they look like Christy Moore in the middle of a song. It's yeah. <laughs> that is. Yeah. yeah. My two, anyway, both look like Winston Churchill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've got photographic evidence to prove that. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24 7. 96 the lines are live and we're ready to talk can we just talk call 0818 966 96 96 96 text or whatsapp 083 396 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 
and we will be looking for you to tell us what you're doing and how you're raising money and how you're doing what you're doing to go about raising money for us and during the opinion line the 083 396 96 96 WhatsApp number will be available to you. Drop us a voice note tomorrow. What you're doing, how much you're raising, how you're doing it, where you're doing it, who you're doing it with. And we'll bring it to people as we move to Radiothon mode on the opinion line from tomorrow morning. Tomorrow and Friday, it's full Radiothon mode. Back to normal business after the weekend, but we move with everybody else on the daytime schedule into Radiothon tomorrow. I'm so looking forward to it. And we know there'll be hundreds and hundreds of events and fundraisers and little things going on around the place. So do let us know what you're at uh, when we're on the air tomorrow and where you're at it and who you're at it with. 0818 96 96 96 on uh, ghosting. We're talking to Stephanie Preisner about being ghosted and the idea behind ghosting. Yes, I've been ghosted, says this message. Uh, You know you think you're the only one that something like this has ever happened to, but you're not. It hurts. And you're left thinking that there was somehow something wrong with you. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. We will follow up that story or that message we got with regard to the CNN or where did I get hit CNN? Sorry, HSE. <laughs> HSE bonus payment. We'll follow that up. Um, if we get any further information, we'll follow it up after the weekend. Right. Conversations with friends. As I say, I have been watching it. It's a strange thing. It's not really going after our emotions in the same way that normal people did. But it's a good bit of telly and it's well acted and it's funny at times. Funny in a strange way. The soundtrack, though, is great. And some, it's typical of the kind of standards of production. The soundtrack is really, really well mixed in. And imagine being a producer, musician, songwriter, trying to break into the market, trying to make your name in the market, and one of your songs gets picked up. Uh, and that's what's happened to Corkman, Keen Sweeney. Keen, good morning to you. How's it going? How are you? Good. Now, you've been quietly making music for a bit of a, a while now down there in, in Glenmire and around the place and experimental and groundbreaking. People call your your music. And we'll hear some, but actually later in the hour, we'll hear your latest single later in the hour. But how did you find out that, that another one had been picked up in Conversations with Friends? Um, I don't know. We have a we have a sync deal, so we have a, a company I think based out of London that reps a lot of the music that we release. And I think they reached out to us a couple of months ago and said, "We think Lenny Abrahamson and, and the music director for the show are interested in the track." And then there's kind of three or four months of waiting because you always kind of hear these things and you never think, "Oh, this is going to come through or this won't come through." But then we we got the official message about two or three months ago, and we were like, "Fantastic!" So do you so, give yeah. when you have a song done or a piece produced? Do you give it to an agency and say, if anybody wants this, is that how it works? Yeah, there's a specific, I suppose there's a specific uh, music supervision, music supervision, I should say, business, where there's people that kind of take catalogs of music and pitch them out to directors and stuff. But obviously, because there's an Irish team on this and there's other like there's there's other brilliant Irish artists featured in the soundtrack, too. They obviously wanted to lean in on the upcoming Irish scene and try and get some music from that. And it was the same with normal people, too. Like I remember Arlie Gartland's tunes and stuff yeah. were normal people. So the exact same. Yeah, yeah uh, the same production values and levels 
as they've done with no in that the music comes in kind of subtly but very very yeah. appropriately so you're watching a scene the scene is the scene is good you're, you're engrossed in the scene and then the music comes in and you say, what's that <laughs> what is that and and of course out with the spotify or out with it and you start searching and like when something like this takes off as as conversations with friends seems to be taking off everywhere that's an enormous shop window for 1000 beasts isn't it yeah, yeah, it really is. And especially like the way I think music's, music has gone so uh, independent now and just having the opportunity to, to have it in front of millions of ears is always so valuable. And they can, like you said, they can just whip out their phone and shazam it. And you never know, those. Then, then those people become friends or fans and they start listening to more stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. huge. How long are you making music, Keen? Oh, yeah, my life really, being honest. Um, I've been doing a lot. Uh, I've I suppose I started off as a session musician, so I was playing piano for all sorts of people. And but I always wanted to make like be a producer, so I started producing properly. I suppose five or six years ago. Then, mm, where do you do all your work? Yeah. Is uh, home based my, or my little? Yeah, I have a home studio here in Glanmire, which is uh, started off very basic, but as the as the years go by, it gets more and more complicated. But uh, it's a perfect spot. So hopefully, I'll move into the city. My aim now in the next year or two is to try and see if I can get. It's very hard to get. Uh, um, industrial units in the city or a space in the unit where I can do something the next year or two hopefully I'll be able to open a little studio in the city centre There's an intimacy to a home studio my, my, you, you might or might not be familiar with uh, Matisse Scully from a few years yeah. back he had everything down in his house in Fountainstown. Uh, it just all shoved into the front room. You could barely see the light coming in but they made magic in there You know, you can, you can do an awful lot in a home space it really can, and it's the vibe as well because you can kind of take it easy. You know, you can work focus for an hour, hour and a half, and you know, come out and have a cup of tea and just like sit in the backyard and get some sun for another 10, 15 minutes and go back in. And because um, I obviously bring a lot of clients and a lot of artists come around to mine to work on stuff, and I think the most important thing is to just make sure everybody's very comfortable and relaxed. You always get a much better output then. Yeah. Was it, did, did the pandemic make it easier or, or harder, Kean, in that someone had to now send you a voice track? They couldn't come to the studio, they had to send you a voice track and then you work in the voice track or, or an instrumental track. Did, did that so, uh, so much easier? It, it completely changed the way I operate the pandemic, it, for the better. Um, it, being honest, before 2020, I lived in Dublin and I travelled a lot. I lived in London for a while. I toured a lot. I was all over the place. But I always loved Cork. But I had this um, cognitive dissonance, I suppose, where it's like I can't really live in Cork and be a music producer. And 2020 changed all that. Yeah. I can live here now and I can work remotely. I'm doing tracks for people. I, literally yesterday I was working for a track from a guy out of Tennessee. Um, you just work remotely the whole time and it's fantastic. You can yeah. hop on Zoom. Um, it's it's a game changer because the quality of life in Dublin is so poor at the moment. Rent is so expensive, yada yada yada. Like uh, Cork is a much nicer yeah. city to live in. It's much nicer than living in London. And if you can do it online, all the better. And you could, if you're working on a track, and I, I think this is how it works. Anyway, if you want a particular, say, for example, bass guitarist, this is a bass guitarist whose work you want, you send him the bones of what you're doing, and yep. he plays his bass guitar. And sends you the track, and bang, it yeah. goes to the mix. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's so efficient now, and because the equipment is relatively cheap, for a couple of hundred euros, you can have the equipment to track bass guitar or track guitar or whatever. It might cost you a grand or whatever plus a laptop. Um, yeah. But yeah, all the best session musicians are in the country. They all do it. So all you have to do is just reach out to them and say, 
twerking on this track for someone we need some country style guitar can you play on it oh here you go it's deadly that's it it's, it's a fantastic yeah, it's fantastic and, it's brilliant it's great, great fun Neruda is, is the album that this track was taken from and you are you have a gig um, on the 27th that's Friday When's, where's that on? Yeah, we're in Winthrop Avenue, so in the back of the old oak, underneath Cypress Avenue, right there off Oliver Plunkett Street. Okay, cool. And that's yeah. that. Uh, so, and Will we see you there? You know what? <laughs> I could be anywhere Friday night. It's, it, Friday night is my night, <laughs> so I could end up anywhere. And I'm, I'm lastly, I mean, have you seen the episode with, um, with the song in it yet? Uh, no, I haven't. I'm relying on my sister and my mother to point it out to me, so... Yeah, and, and just tell me... There. What's that buzz going to be like when they were? That's my tune. What's that going to feel like? Um, yeah, I'm pretty good. I, I I tend not to try and get too carried away with these things, so I don't worry about too much. But there always is that moment when you're watching it, going, "Yeah, God, I made this on yeah. my laptop in the, the middle of the pandemic." Isn't it mad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, brilliant. Listen, congratulations on it. We'll play um, "Glass Glass Magic" is is the new song, uh, and we'll yeah. we'll play it later in the hour for people just so they can hear a sample of what you're able to do. And again, it was "Glass Magic." Now. Before I bust anybody's illusions, was Glass Magic all done down in the place in Glenmire, all put together? All done. And I should say, it features a collaboration with a guy called Arthur Valentine, who's from, uh, he's, he's what I call Cork City, Sean Mendes. He's from Douglas. He's fantastic. So if anybody hasn't heard about it, he's an up-and-coming singer and he's so fantastic. good. So I'll give him a big shout-out. And all put together in your little home studio yes. in Glen. Well, yep. we'll hear it later yep. in the hour. Thank you very much and uh, continued success with 1000 Beasts, the album Neruda and the song NCYBB will feature in uh, Conversations with Friends. Thanks, Keen. 0818 96 96 the Make-A-Wish, yeah. The Make-A-Wish, we were talking about that last hour. My son got to Make-A-Wish 13 years ago. He met all the Liverpool players and got a tour of Melwood Stadium and went in a limousine. Make-A-Wish were unreal. The best memories ever. Uh, you know where I got the CNN reference from? Um, I was reading the HSE stuff and then Tim sent in a message about CNN and we were talking here, it dominated the show on Monday. Uh, the comments that Richard Quest made uh, from CNN about Cork and the Lord Mayor was up in arms about it and the Cork Business Association were up in arms about it and the Taoiseach wasn't entirely happy about it. He said it was just a bit drab downtown. And I took photos that morning coming in and I couldn't argue with Mr. Quest. But I also couldn't argue with the Taoiseach and I couldn't argue with the Business Association because there were parts of Cork that looked fantastic and there's huge plans for the future. But Mr. Quest's impression was the tourist and he was looking at boarded up house, boarded up premises and dirty windows in the middle of town. And then we went down a whole other rabbit hole with dirty streets and filthy corners and stuff like that. But Tim said, you were talking on Monday about the CNN review in Cork. Take a look at Dunn's Merchant's Key. It is still closed. Now, according to the signs, it's closed due to the pandemic. It's only now time to say this permanently closed. The Pana branch is doing the business. And this is more wasted retail space. Yeah, I, you know, I'd completely forgotten that, Tim. Thank you for that. I'd completely forgotten that that Dunn's had closed during the pandemic and never opened again. Thank you. 087 or 083 396 96 96. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Darren and Demi. Live. Saturdays 2 to 6 p.m. On Cork's 96FM. Got me feeling so Every Saturday, Darren and Demi bring you the best weekend vibes. Fill your afternoon with the best music mix. Entertainment news and lots of laughs. (laughs) Darren and Demi. Live. Saturdays, 2 to 6 p.m. With the Cork Summer Show at the Showgrounds Kareem. June 18th and 19th. Championing the best of Cork for over 200 years. Got me feeling so good. Corks 96 FM. Anyone trying to get through to Intrao down on George's Key and having trouble with it? I need to get through to Intrao on George's Key. It just rings for ages, then goes to music, then fades out, but never actually connects to a person or tells me I'm in a queue or, or that I. Because I need the information on my rent allowance. My landlord wants information. I'm afraid of getting into trouble with him in the current housing situation, any ideas on what I can do? No, but if anybody else has had this uh, problem, then they can call us at 0818 96 96 96. Now, as part of the Africa Day and Africa Week celebrations, there's an event tomorrow in Crane Lane and uh, Salami uh, features a Nigerian-born, I think, and a conceptual artist, Salami. Would you mind telling me what that is? Thank you. Good morning. (laughs) <laughs> nice to speak with you. Um, so yeah, I go by the name Salame, and essentially it's just about um, as an artist, I pretty much just take pieces together and you know evoke the message out. So whether it's just through words or having a concept, and then just you know making sure the pieces align, and then yeah, just delivering the message out. So whether it's through a song, a project, whatever piece, but. Essentially, conceptual was the word I found fitting. So it's a sound performance that you do. So so what (laughs) can people expect to see in Crane Lane or to hear, more importantly? For myself, well, it's a case where I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be speaking to people through music. So I'm going to have some instrumentals playing, some specific type of music. And then I'm just going to be talking to people, just rapping over it. The singing part I'm still working on. So it's just going to be, it's going to be a fun It'll be a fun time. We're going to test out some new songs. I'm currently working on a new project and a couple of music videos at the moment. So I'm just going to test out a few new songs, play some of the songs that I have that released from my EP recently and just see how it goes, just, you know, connect with the audience. And what are your songs about? What do you write about? So anything. Like, I, I call it everyday life music because I'm inspired by everything. So it can go from just taking a walk in a park to family to... My experience in my relationships with friends, with different people, things I've just noticed, it can be anything. So, like, there's no limit to what I can talk about. Yeah. How long have you been in Cork? In Cork since I was about 13. Yeah. It's been for over 10 years now. All right. All right. And you settled You settled really well here. How important is it that we celebrate our, I mean, our growing African community in Cork and the diversity that they bring to our city? No, I believe it's important. At the end of the day, I think everything, things of our differences should be celebrated. You know, it shouldn't be something that we just shy away from or on the see, see at a distance something that we should really embrace because at the end of the day 
no, nobody's the same, but I think that's something that we all have in common, the fact that we have differences. So from when people come from different backgrounds, I think it's something to embrace. So I, I, I actually do like the fact that it's been celebrated. And it's not just Africans that are celebrating it, but more so it's a, it's a global celebration as far as different backgrounds. So I've seen different races come together during this day, and then we just come together and just celebrate the whole day, to be honest. So it's, it's great to see. We were talking to, to Kean just there about, you know, putting his own studio together and putting all the ingredients into the work. Like, is, do you do something the same? I mean, is it all about music and performance for you? Is that, how do, how do you come up with your different concepts? Uh, my different concepts? It's a good question. Uh, throughout any way, like I can find inspiration from anywhere, whether right. it's a movie whether it's a conversation, you know, whether it's just an idea that pops up in my head. Right. My head is, my mind is always working 24-7, just it has its own imagination. So uh, a different ideas always come about. As far as the studio, though, I think I need to talk to Keen because <laughs> I've been trying to do the same thing and that's a really good idea. Like, I would I would live there just to, just to get this, get so much work done and so much ideas I need to put onto, onto wax, so... I mean, I might need to talk to Oh, there's a lovely expression that you don't hear that often. You need to put it onto wax. (laughs) 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 I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. No one says that anymore. And it's great to hear you say it, Salami, because they're making records and making wax and stuff like that. So, I mean, Cork is is home now. And... and, um, And, and that's where you go. That that that's that's you've, you. What do you make? What do you think of us? Like we 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 love our new African dimension. We 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 love it. The, the music and the rhythm and the color that you bring is just fabulous. What what do you think of us? I love y'all. <laughs> I love you. No no. Not even just saying that. Like because something I, I've always noticed is that and things I haven't even traveled that much yet. But just even through my little experience so far, like you, I appreciate. Irish people so much because I, I don't know whether it's just the banter or the fact that like just I, I don't I don't even know what it is to be honest I just feel like there's I don't know we have a lot in common in some ways and I feel like whether it, maybe it's the sense of humor or it's just how we, if people just you know everything's not that deep to to a sense mm-hmm. if people just like it's just good vibes I don't, it doesn't I can't go into a whole speech or grandiose speech about how you know everyone here is great but like whether it's just being friendly or just being open-minded to a sense or just being supportive like it's always been love I, I don't have even like with the negative experience I've ever had it's always been outweighed by the good so I'm, I'm I definitely got love for here good man good man. that's not now the, the night in Crane Lane was put together by DJ Guada Mike uh, is yes. there any room for a regular is there room for a regular night you know we get we can go out again now after all this pandemic stuff is there is there a, a space for a regular night where our African artists and come together and celebrate music and rhythm Hey, I mean, if you're down the planet, I'm I'm all I'm on it. <laughs> you can pass me your details of this call. Hey, we, I'm more I'm a hundred percent down. Yeah, because I think yeah, the more of that needs to happen, especially in Cork. Like I'm aware in Dublin, the scene is growing more so, and people are aware of the music. But I feel like Cork has a lot of hidden talents. I know a lot of people just off the top of my head right now. I can there's so many comments in mind who have a gift. It's not just it's not just a talent. It's a gift, and it's just 
I know eventually people will get to know about it, but showcasing the talent would be great. And if we could come together as a community and get that done, I mean, that would be amazing. All right, listen, great chatting to you. And I really envy you. You want to envy? You've got that massive, deep voice that I would kill for, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, great, great, great to talk to you, uh, Salami. And tomorrow night in uh, Crane Lane, uh, and part of a, a big night being put together to celebrate Africa Day or Africa Week. And we'll talk again. We will chat again. I like that guy. I like that fella. 0818969696. If any more laid back, he'd fall over. And I love people like that. Love people like that. 0818969696. Um, PJ, you had one or two walking tour operators on before. That man from CNN should take a guided walking tour and he'd see all the things he missed. I accept that he was just saying what he saw, but as a writer, wouldn't he also educate himself as part of the job before he talks about a place? PJ, you should invite his CNN rival, Donny O'Sullivan, to do a voice diary of a walking tour to Cork or take a call with you. You've given me an idea. I happen to know one of the city's walking tour directors very well, a lot better than I realised I did know. Um... I might come back to that. That actually could be good. I don't need to go to Donny O'Sullivan either. Tom was on. Uh, I was just thinking about the guard. You remember this? We top of this yesterday. The guard who was reprimanded for turning on the blue light in the car. This has been discussed at the GRA conference in Dublin, uh, or in, in sorry, in Westport. And he was given. He's facing disciplinary action, and he could be dismissed because he turned on the blue light in the car to alert people to an accident in the street, and he hadn't had the appropriate training. Like the person who issued the reprimand should be asked to please explain. The guard who turned the light on was doing the right thing, says Tom. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now speaking of the wonderful variety of music and entertainment and rhythm and colour that's in our city and our county, let us talk about. Or let us talk to Leah Sohotra. I hope I have the name right. Leah, good morning. Good morning. You got it right. Good, Close good, enough. Good. 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 Um. Going through your music, there's a couple of songs that, that, that leap out, and The Valleys of Her Mind and Grendel. Now, again, this is a deep subject, abusive relationship, but told in a soft way. What was the point of that? Oh, that's, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, um, I was looking over the questions you sent me uh, the other night, and I was like, okay, it's from a sympathetic perspective. Um, I don't, the song doesn't mean to be sympathetic to the abuser. Uh, the idea is, is to include the voice perspective of the yeah. abuser to demonstrate how villains see themselves as the hero or the protagonist. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah like someone would, who's been in, sorry, go a, ahead. No, it's kind of looking at it from the point of view of the, the person doing the abuse. Exactly. So someone who has been in or currently is in an abusive relationship can attest that Abuse creeps in gradually through different behaviors, such as yelling, gaslighting, emotional manipulation, physical violence, um, that might not initially be taken as a serious threat and can eventually become scary and isolating. So I can explain more about the song if you want to know. It's like um, about the different lines in it, like the chorus, which is show your throat to my claws because you've slaughtered your own kind, which is inspired by a few things. Um, 
That's it's a very, that's though, a deep yeah. line. That's a, a very yeah. a very deep line. Before I go a little bit more into the music, tell us about yourself so that we get some concept of of, of where Leah is coming from, as it were. Sure. So um, I'm I'm an American. I come from well, I'm originally from upstate New York, but I grew up in Vermont, and um, that's like. It was like small town, Middlebury, Vermont, and it's like it's near the Appalachian. Well, at the end of the Appalachian Mountains, it's uh, so a lot of Appalachian influence in the music. Um, I didn't listen to a lot of music growing up, so this is I didn't really start writing music till about four or five years ago. Right, uh, not even. So um, then I started. You know, I had a few. Uh, what do you call? It? I guess epiphanies, and. Um, I started writing music immediately after that, and Grendel was one of my first so- my first songs, along with um, Wolf in the Sheepskin Hood. Um, yeah. And then I, I just wrote a bunch of songs after that. Yeah, were, were they influenced by by your work? Because you worked in a rape crisis center, and you worked in a homeless shelter. You now work for Cork Simon. Like, were they influenced by the, by the people you met through your work? Um, so they almost all of my music is is based on personal experience of some kind. Um, I definitely, yeah. So like I worked with homeless people in when I was living in Vermont, I worked with them for many years. I worked with Cork Simon for a year and a half and um, I've, I've had uh, different experiences personally with, um, with poverty, like growing up in a single parent household. And, you know, my mother had a lot of, um, she had she had different issues going on with her so it was like it was all very um it's all it all become very personal and i like i love writing about yeah i love writing about my personal experiences because i feel like you know people people get reluctant to talk about their personal experiences because of feelings of shame um and i think that shame is kind of a useless emotion to be honest i think um I mean, I, I understand why why it's it's there, but I think it really stops conversations from happening that need to happen. Important conversations yeah. about change. Yeah. Um, That's actually, so shame is a, a a useless emotion, and shame. And I know as someone who listens to people's stories every day, Leah, shame holds people back from telling their story. It's a very limiting, exactly, very but, limiting emotion. Yeah, but that said, I I wouldn't like I don't think that a person who um who's had something really terrible happen to them like se- like survivors of sexual violence for example, like they can suffer ostracism and repercussions and like other social repercussions from talking about their story which can be re-traumatizing to endure and I you know, I I want to facilitate a world where people need not feel ashamed or forced into behavior, like behaving passively because of something bad that happened to them. Music is a a powerful way to do that. It is a powerful way to do that because it, it's a, it's a way of, it's like serving food. It's like making, you know, I love to cook as well. So when you're like, you know, when you want to make something for somebody and you, you put it together artfully and you, you know, so so they can experience it in their own way and like have a little bit of this and a little bit of that and kind of like pick and choose what they like and kind yeah. of see the whole thing and enjoy the whole, um, yeah. I don't know, and music, image of Music it. is layered as well, Leah, in that you, you hear a song and you you make the first impression of the song and you like the melody and you like the rhythm and you like the maybe the production values and then you listen a little deeper and a little deeper still. And you get the mm-hmm. meaning. So, you know, 
you you can start a very serious conversation through a song, but it might take a couple of listens. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Or or it can be very literal, like um, for example, Martin Leahy's song of, on um, the homeless homelessness yes. crisis right now. The like the so the housing crisis, and I think that that's um, you know I I I, I love both ways of doing it. I like, like I have, I have one song that I wrote called gypsy moth, which is literally about like invasive species of caterpillars. And, (laughs) you know, but then, you know, and I think that, yeah, literally like sometimes you just want to, you just want to hand the message right over. And other times it's, you know, like something that feels so personal. And I felt like, you know, people are products of their environment. They have, um, everyone has had a different experience people don't see them like i said was saying about like grandel people don't see themselves as the as the um like as the villain, the villain they the see piece, their yeah. what, their actions as yeah their actions are um now i'm thinking you know what i'm thinking about right now is the uh, is this horrible shooting in in texas this morning yeah. and it's really affected me um but i don't want to change the subject completely no, no. but that like, like i think of like whatever happened to that kid to, to cause him to do what he did. It's very, you know, it's, it's horrific. However, that, that came about, you know? Yeah. And I don't, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Cause I mean, straight away, I, I can, I can hear a conversation that I'd have with people. Like he didn't just wake up one morning and decide I was going to go shoot up the local school. Something, yeah, what something happened, there? happened yeah. to him. That That's, and that's, like, that's the kind of thought then out of which can come, can come a song. Uh, you, you've worked on a yeah. song with Martin. We just, I had Martin on the show earlier on this morning about, about his situation. Yeah. You, you've worked on a song with him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We did that. Valleys of Her Mind. That we so that we we wrote that uh, together a few years ago. Martin um, had a great melody for it, and he had lyrics, and we worked on the lyrics together. And um, that was that was really fun. I love working with Martin. I've worked with him for years now, and he is he's so easy to work with and just he's got so many great ideas um and he's added a lot of like the the album that i put out a few years ago now it's spreaded crickets was um he did all the instrumentals on that he played over a dozen well there were a few other there are definitely a few other artists on there but um mick flannery was on there um, he did backing vocals for grendel as well but um yeah so he did Martin Lee, he did so many instruments on there, over a dozen. Multi-talented, multi-talented. Leah, we're talking a lot today and yesterday about, you know, Cork and how it's celebrating its its African side and and its African dimension. Mm -hmm. Cork now has quite a large African dimension. What Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you that we are discussing that? Like, it's not something we'd have discussed five, ten years ago. We yeah, I know. And I've been here 10, I've been here 11 years now as of April and I'm a citizen and it's, I've, I've watched, I've watched this beautiful city diversify and it is meaningful to me uh, to be a part of like, well, just to see an event like this is meaningful to me. Um, Africa Day is so exciting. It's just exciting to be a part of it. But, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful high energy event. I've attended it over the years and missed it during pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's really exciting for me to be singing alongside such talent as Newbury and Salome and Sun Solar and Minnie Marley. Um, really exciting. And um, I think, um, 
I know its return is meaningful for, for people, especially the African community. I'm an American with no African ancestry. I'm like Pakistani, Italian, Mongolian, English, Dutch, everything, but not, and there's no African there. But I, as a woman of color, it's very meaningful to me yeah. to see diversity yeah. celebrated in this way yeah. Yeah. and announced and welcomed. You know, it's it's so good. The launch is going on now in City Hall. Okay. Okay. And I know you want to get to that. So enjoy. And uh, thank you for being with us on the Opinion Line. Leah Sohotra, uh, living in Cork in the last 10 years. Um, artist of immense songwriting ability and talent and has uh, been working with our own local artists like like Martin. Thank you, Leah. 0818 96 96 96. Um, ghosting. Hi there. Just happened to catch the end of the piece about dating and apps and ghosting. I travel a lot and everywhere I go I see people swiping phones, often just simply ignoring the people around them or serving them or sitting next to them on planes or trains. Even couples sit there swiping why bother meeting? I understand not everyone can speak to strangers or colleagues, but phones and apps now seem to be a barrier to normal conversation. Remember, a phone or an app is a tool. It's not part of you. I met my wife through an early dating site, but very soon suggested we meet. It's about meeting someone, not speaking to someone online or through a computer. Remember, human interaction requires exactly that. Yeah, it is a thing now. And I see it, and I see it among every group, every age, just young people now, everyone's doing it. That you see four or five friends or two or three friends out in the pub or in a restaurant or whatever, and straight away their phones are up on the table. And and one goes to the loo, particularly if it's a couple, right? One goes to the loo and straight away the other one's gone for the phone. And I know this because I do it myself. And we, that person, sorry, we're glued to our phones. Absolutely glued to them. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Joined on the opinion line by Father Demo, but Joe Rooney. The number of people who have made one appearance or two appearances or a load of appearances in Father Ted and are still able to trade on it all these years later. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was only recently over at a Comic-Con. First time I was invited to, to appear at a Comic-Con with uh, Father uh, Oh McLove, yeah, Father Patrick. Stone, and uh, Father Austin Purcell. Yeah, and um, that was mad. I, I'd now, I'd uh, we were sat there at a the table signing autographs, pictures, and uh, Q and A, and all that kind Nearly of. Nearly thirty years on, like when you think about Nearly it. Nearly thirty years on, and we all did just one episode each. You know, so that was it's mad. I met uh, one of the Bond girls as well. Uh, at it. she was doing the same thing. She's in her seventies now, so I didn't. Re- but. Uh, that's the kind of thing that Bond <laughs> gotta work girls they, Are, you, are well. you comparing yourself to a Bond girl in that they're still trading on one movie and you're still trading on one episode? <laughs> That's it, yeah, yeah. It was people like that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it's a lot of... It's funny. You ever been to a Comic-Con? Have you ever no, been? no, no, no. Nah, it's very nerdy. There's a lot of nerds at it, I have to say. But it's good crack, good crack. Yeah, I know. I, mm. I as Father Ted killed the Scully, I'd still... You know what that was great about the two of them, though, Joe, and you were... Is that Father Ted's one of these shows that you, if you turn it on, you're flicking through the channels and there's an, there's an episode on, you are not going to turn it off. 
And in my house, definitely, same is true for, for Kilna Scully. You'd fun there too. Oh, yeah. Well, Kilna Scully uh, was like a thing that I was fully involved in. You know, I was in every episode That's and right. I wrote I wrote on the last two seasons as well. Or three seasons, sorry. And uh, uh, it's funny, though. Yeah, I mean, Kilna Scully is re-bought uh, up by uh, RTE again. So they ran it during the lockdown and they're rerunning it again now. So it's actually enjoying a bit of a... Resurgence now. My favourite one. There's a there's an episode with a funeral, and a coffin, and I just I I could watch that a hundred times. You know, it's just so yeah. so so funny. But then there's the world of stand up, Joe. Um, we're back at the com- the comedy club this Saturday. Uh, the twenty. It's a whole different whole different ball game, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, but look, I mean, the thing about doing the stand-up is that it's, you don't know what's going to happen and there could be some heckles and a bit of interaction with the audience and a bit, you know, so I really enjoy it. I, it's my bread and butter. It's what I do most of the time, to be honest, and uh, I've travelled the world doing stand-up, you know, so I, I love doing it. I love doing it. And I, I missed it during lockdown, too. I, I, I kind of liked lockdown because I could make the dinner every day and go for runs and stuff, but when I got back on a stage, I realised, ah, no, I really did miss it, you know. And yeah, I think yeah. audiences missed live performances as well. I, I found that after lockdown that the uh, audiences are very pre- appreciative, you know. They're really up for it, you know. So who, we've who, all who are the softest that. targets for a stand-up comic at the moment, Joe? I mean, Boris Johnson is you know, absolutely making a hames of himself. Vladimir Putin is trying to make a hames, a hames of yeah. the world. Like, I don't know what to think about. Yeah, the one thing you know, Vladimir Putin is a small fella, five foot six. Mussolini was five foot six. Stalin was five foot four. All these little angry men. So I'm just saying, keep a close eye on Michael D. He's a small fella as well. If he gets angry, you don't know what's going to happen. He oh. he could turn on you. Yeah, an angry Michael D. I know, I know. Come here. You'll be a frequent enough visitor to Cork, I know. What did you think of your man? Because we got a program out of it here. Your your man that was yeah. talking about Cork looking a bit drab. Will you be going for a walk like when you're here the weekend? What do you think of Cork? I love Cork now. I love Cork. And uh, I'd say, you know, if it's looking tired, it's probably because so much energy you've spent on hating Dublin. But, you know, <laughs> give it a rest. Give it a rest. Okay. Uh, you see, but, Dublin gives uh, us reason. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dublin. I'm not from Dublin. A lot of people think I am because of Father Damo. Father Damo, you know, yeah. all that. Uh, here's the going and all, but I'm um, actually grew up in Mead. I'm a I grew up in a farm and everything. So well, Mead I, I, is I a suburb of Dublin now, you know. Uh, well, it is. Yeah, it's really the north side of Dublin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, but uh, look, uh, I I understand Dublin, uh, particularly the south side, the real south side. Dublin just thinks they're great, and uh, I'm I'm so glad that we do have Cork. To just balance things and give them, yeah, give them what for. You know what I mean? They deserve it, fucking Egypt. I'm would just you... saying that. I'm just saying that because I'm coming to Cork. If would... I'm in Dublin, I'll be slagging off Cork. But anyway, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Would, you, would you be tempted at all now, like when you're in Cork doing stand up and given the week that's in it? We all know what happened mm. in Saipan 20. Like, would I mean, it's it's a divisive argument. Would you be tempted to go there with regard Roy Keane versus versus uh, Mike? That's a tough. That was unbelievable. If you lived through that, that divided the country 
more than the civil war Didn't back it? in the 20s it, it was unbelievable it really divided it divided families did? it was like when it was like what trump did to america and divided families where people couldn't mention it uh, over a dinner table or arguments would <laughs> ensue and uh, it, it's hard to believe isn't it it was unbelievable you're not wrong actually because i do remember i do remember the dinner party that was at back in around that time and Okay, we don't talk politics, right? And we won't be talking religion. And for God's sake, don't anybody bring up Roy Keane. Do you know? Yeah, it, it was quite unbelievable. Uh, and uh, and when you think about it, the team did really well. And you just think, if Roy Keane oh, was there, oh, we could have won the World Cup. Oh, stop. We could I have. remember being at him, watching a match. There was maybe five or 600 people in a pub watching a match. And we're all saying the same thing. Christ, if Keane was there, what would we have done? Joe, back at the Comedy Club on Saturday night, May 28th. Uh, Joe Rooney, plus guests. And welcome back to Cork. Great to speak with you again on the opinion line thank you that's Joe Rooney Father Damo from Father Ted and Timmy from Killing the Scully that, I, there are mixed views on Killing the Scully I will not be argued with it's brilliant love it because half the time I think we're living there anyway that is pretty cool lads that is uh, Kean Sweeney who was on the show earlier on uh, 1000 Beasts be the name of the band, the project, or the collaboration with a guy called Arthur Valentine. That's brilliant, isn't it? Glass magic. All done on a laptop in Glenmire. Come here, there's hope for us all here. That's brilliant. Absolutely great. great And his is one of the tracks featured in the next couple of episodes of Conversations with Friends. And he was chatting to me on the opinion line earlier on this morning. Yeah, when he's selling out stadiums, I hope we get free tickets now. <laughs> That's it for today and for normal service this week on the Opinion Line. Tomorrow we are back for Radiothon. But for now, the programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you for Radiothon in the morning just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.